0: Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment-based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. This week, my friend Mondrachio Robertson joins me to discuss, you guessed it, food. He explains how he went from finance to being in the entertainment industry as part of the America's Test Kitchen brand. We share stories about skiing, which you won't wanna miss, food, nutrition, and what things he likes making for other people. We also answer the question, why bacon? Take a listen to this week's one-on-one. Hi, Drake, how are you?
1: I'm good, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Welcome to season two. I'm so happy to have you on. Um, how's you? How are you doing? How's everything going with you?
1: Um, I mean, I'm doing good right now. It's definitely um, touch and go here with, the, with with what's going on. But I'm honored to have to for you to have me on your show, and I'm happy yeah. about the way things are going. So,
0: oh, good, yeah. So, full disclosure, we're doing this during this crazy time coronavirus who'd have thunk it you know it's kind of like um we'll learn more about what you do but in your industry it's kind of really every industry is really hard hit but now that they're closing down bars and restaurants and a lot of service people are are out of business so it's kind of like an evolving situation but we'll get into that with what you do um but but first drake tell the people your whole name
1: So my name is Mandricchio Robertson. I go by Drake to most of my friends and colleagues, and I am a personal chef.
0: Personal chef. So what does that mean, personal chef?
1: So personal chefs just means that I actually have clients, and I go into their homes, and I cook for them. I also do small catering events or any small event that you have. I also will do cooking lessons and other things on that capacity versus private chef means that I actually work for a family. So if you have a private chef then you kind of work for that family exclusively, and that is your job. That's your nine to five. And then personal chefs are able to work for different families and different people.
0: Hmm. Nice. Um, yo, your name is, is, amazing and i always think about it because my name is you know my name is mapuhi and i never went by it in in school Did was did you ever go by your mandrakeo in school or you know i kids
1: kids were mean but i always had a smart mouth so it never really bothered me i think um growing up though i always went by mandrakeo up until i got to college so what when people when people say Mondrakeo, I automatically know that they know me from before college. Um, oh. I, I I didn't go by Drake until I got to college, and really, it wasn't in, it wasn't until I got to um to my sophomore year in college, and I did an internship at Disney. But yeah, my earlier life, I hated my name growing up just because I'm from a really small town in Georgia, um, mm-hmm. Monroe, Georgia. And my family, my mom and my, my mom, and my dad were separated. So we, we would go back and forth to Atlanta because my mom um lived in Atlanta a lot. But in my small town, like I had plenty of Joseph's and James and other regular names in my classroom and nobody had a on So <laughs> it was That's just so- weird.
0: That's amazing that you went that long and then switched in college. I was the right first, I went by TJ all the way up into college and people, were, and then like, I think I had one professor that was like, put her foot down. She's like, so what exactly are you going to go by? She's like, your staging needs to be something really exotic. And I was like, you know, my real name is right. And she's, so I told her, she's like, that's what it needs to be. You need to decide you need to tell me now what it's going to be. I was like, wow, I do not really think my name was that, <laughs> like that heavy. But then I started going by my real name and that only lasted for like, you know, Three years and then it ended, um, but speaking of Monroe, Georgia, and growing up, tell me about your childhood.
1: Oh, uh, so if you're from a small town, you already know. Um, small towns are kind of, you know, the same everywhere. I feel just different surroundings. But I grew up with my mom and my little brother, and I've always kind of cooked throughout my life. Um, my grandmother on my dad's side was an amazing baker and she baked everything mm. from scratch. Um, so I would always be in the kitchen with her and my granddad um, on my dad's side as well. He would grill every single week. So any Sunday that there was, um, any Sunday we would go to their house and I know my granddad would be cooking on the grill and my grandmother would be in the kitchen baking. And so I just always kind of stuck around them and with I, wouldn't, I w- didn't even realize I was learning but I was learning different things from both of them and just like taking that with me because my mom, bless her heart, she's amazing, but she's not a great cook. Um, <laughs> 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 and then my mom's mom, my mom's grandmother, my mom's mom, my grandmother, is probably one of the not the best cooks in my family. <laughs> I love her, but she, um, yeah, it's not the best. So I think yeah. just knowing that if my mom cooks, it would be like, okay, but if I learn how to cook, maybe I can make it better. And my mom worked a lot. So I was like, well, maybe I can help out and do this. So that kind of pushed me to cook more at home. And my little brother enjoyed it because we were getting better food. Um, So (laughs) it was a win-win for everybody.
0: That's good. Um, Yeah, that's so, I feel like in, in the family dynamic, your parent either was... The best cook in the world or you could not stand it like I don't ever think there's a middle territory for all those things because i don't know i don't i've never really thought about that before my mom was a great cook she always cooked everything and now she like cooks too much and i'm always like mom calm down i don't need to be eating this much food <laughs> um so you grew up in a small town in georgia what made you your your Sundays, your grilling your baking what made you want to do it more full time?
1: Um, actually, I I really never thought about doing it full time until I huh. went to college. Um, when I was in high when I was in high school, like my mom would tell you, I've always just wanted to go. Like I've just like I wanted to go. My uncle's been in the army since I was eight, and he would just always send postcards and gifts from all over the world, and I was just like, why is nobody else going? So I've always just wanted to go and just travel the world. And I was really big into computers. And so I've always been like a super nerd. And I went to college Mm -hmm. for computer science. I went to University of Georgia for computer science Mm -hmm. because I knew it was a, um, I figured I've always liked to cook, but I just, I never looked at it as a career. And I was like, well, computer science is a great career. I can like basically set myself up. Maybe I can travel a little bit. And the more I did it, the more I hated it. And while I was at Uh college, I would just... (laughs) It was just not for me. It's the same thing over and over every day. So true. Programming is just not my thing. Um, But the whole time I was at college, I would always cook with my friends. And people would come over to my apartment. I would go to other people's places. And I was just known as, like, the person that was cooking all the time. And I was like, man, maybe maybe I should do this. And I went and I did the... um, the college internship with Disney. So my first time going to Orlando. Um, this oh, was first nice. Time out of Georgia. It's my first taste of freedom. Um, and I did it for computer science, but I really enjoyed the people. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. Disney, but I didn't want to do computer science anymore. So mm-hmm. when I got back to Georgia, I dropped out of college. I don't even think my family know that,
0: but I... <laughs> Hi, mom. You're the worst cook, <laughs> and I dropped out of college. <laughs>
1: I went back to school for. I finished the semester out, but I just it was a. I, I want to say I only dropped out of school for maybe a semester, guys. Like just just for disclosure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I automatically signed up for um, Art Institute of Atlanta for culinary arts, okay. and I went. I started school my next semester, so I basically just had a long summer. And now I went to school again. So but that's sure. the only reason why I thought it was a career. I don't I don't know. I just never I, I guess because growing up I never I never seen chefs be represented the way we see them represented now.
0: So oh I, my I gosh, didn't
1: it as something like that.
0: I mean what we have like channels devoted to people cooking. It's really turned into exactly like, this, passion. Yeah. this passion of things to do. So you're you switched Careers. How did you like? Well, speaking of the computer science thing, how did you like Disney, the corporation itself?
1: I loved working for Disney. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they run a a great um, company. Um, yeah. it taught me a lot. It, it really did teach me a lot going forward. Um,
0: but, I think that brand. That brand is so 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 well developed. It's yes. it's all people are always like, oh so not people on some applications that you fill out online or when you talk to people like what brand do you admire the most? And I always have to think to myself, I always like self, which brand do you like the most? I'm like, duh, it's Disney. Like, I love the environment that they have it in their parks, what their brand stands for all of their branches of like outreach and blah, 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 and music and art and everything that really has like, it really has, Heightens what we know of the entertainment.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I definitely, and I definitely think that Disney itself, like working for them, gives you a better understanding of how different departments work together to make something happen.
0: Sure. I don't,
1: I don't think I ever looked at it like that until I did yeah. the internship because you all, you live together too. So, an internship for all you guys out there want to do it later. Um, you will room and live together with people who don't do what you do. And then you just kind of realize like we're all in this together. Kind of like yeah. set that connection for you.
0: Well, you know what? I actually did a project with my nephew that he had to choose um, a hero and he chose Walt Disney. And through the research that he was doing and presentations that he had practiced on the family, I learned a lot about how um, co- they were always in a co-work environment with another maybe um, branch of Disney. So animators or uh, imagineers would always work with different people. So the product wound up becoming more well thought out. And I thought that was the collaboration is sometimes better than a solo project. And I didn't realize that in my life until, you know, I started working in, in the real world and realizing that, there are a lot of great people out there that have a lot of good ideas that can help you make your idea better.
1: Yes, those mm-hmm. group projects—they make you do in school. They yes. really
0: do well. <laughs> group projects are not good in school if you are like type A. Like I needed it to be perfect. I needed it to be like done my way, so I just felt better doing it myself. Yeah. Um, so you went to school. How? What? What happened after school? I went, I only had to go
1: to RSU for two years because mm-hmm. I was already pretty much a sophomore going into there as a junior. So most of my credits yeah. transferred over. Luckily for me, um, pro tip, if you are going to college school, um, get your credits other places first, but talk about that later. Um, but in like school, g- though, general
0: w- education, oh, that, all those, yes. all those courses. Yeah. Okay. Yes.
1: Get those out of the way somewhere else. Um, But when I was in school, I really had one of those aha moments that made me realize that even though computer science was definitely gonna pay me more and like I probably would have had a better lifestyle starting out, I knew I loved cooking because I was doing I was doing school at night, working in the morning, also sometimes doing catering gigs overnight or like late at night after school just to try to give people good graces and get more experience. And the more I did it, the more tired I was, the more I loved it. And so I just kind of, I think I fell in love with the idea of cooking in school. I always like had the passion to cook, but I fell in love with it when I was in culinary school.
0: Hmm. That's great. What did you, what, so you're finished with culinary school. What are you thinking? Because obviously you, like you said, computer science would have paid you more. What what avenues are you starting to investigate and thinking that you're about to be in the real world by yourself soon.
1: So even though I was definitely ready to go to the real world, I, for some reason in my, in my mind, I've always wanted to do a couple of things. I've always wanted to work on a cruise ship, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to work internationally and I've always wanted to work, um, in Vegas and like all these other things. Like and my biggest thing on my list was I wanted to work for the Ritz Carlton. Um, and I don't know what happened. I don't know. The powers that be, I graduated culinary school in June of 2011. I went to the Ritz-Carlton in Atlanta the next week. I put application in. I got a call back to do a tasting, and I cooked for the executive chef, and I got the job. And it kind of scared me because it was like, this is something that's on your list, and you're yeah. already doing it. So, what's like, you know, it was just kind yeah. of like, Oh, shit, this is really happening.
0: <laughs> you get scared because it's something that you really wanted, but it's something brand new, and you didn't think it was going to be possible, but I really feel like decisions that happened so easily like that were meant to be.
1: I just always wanted my food to impact people and just make, just be memorable and just make you kind of think about the moment when you tasted the food, um... And when I told my executive chef that, he was like, "Well, we like you shouldn't stop. Like you, he's like you're just getting started, but you you know just like take the leap of faith." So he is the one who actually pushed me to work on my first cruise ship, and he he told me he was like, "Well, they're coming to Atlanta to do um to do some recruiting, and you should just go and see how you like it. Talk to them, and you know if you decide to go, then we we definitely will have your back and we respect you and." So that actually got me on my first cruise ship work for Norwegian Cruise
0: Line. So you're this is how I meet you is on cruise ships. You that was one of your goals. Like you were saying, cruise ships and international travel. I mean, when you're on cruise ships, you're gonna be international. There's no there's no if, answer, buts. Like there's only Man, like one. No. Sh- one. Did you go on NCL on Pride cruise of America? Shit. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got my passport ready. <laughs> TJ, I, I didn't so even excited. need it. I didn't even need it.
0: <laughs> you went on the Pride no, of America.
1: No one told me about it. So um,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, for those of you out there, there is one ship in the world where you won't travel internationally. It's the Pride of America. It's in Hawaii, which is great. Hawaii's mm-hmm. amazing. Pride still one of my favorite places in the world. But yeah, it definitely yeah. <laughs> it wasn't what I thought it was.
0: So you do NCL and then you finally make a transition over to where?
1: I work for, I worked for this winery in Atlanta called Chateau Alain.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs)
1: Lovely, lovely place. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) it was my first time being an executive chef. So it really, um, I got to become the executive chef of, of the spa and it was Small, it was me and one other chef, but I got to become the boss and got Mm -hmm. to really understand like the other side or the higher side of management and um, got to see the good and the bad and the ugly of the the management side of things.
0: Mm -hmm. No, it's different when you're managing people and products and expectations, it's completely different than when you're just upholding the expectation letting down the laying down the laws it's is different so okay. you go back you're now you're starting to get some management experience underway and then when do you transition over to hall in America
1: you know so before I came to hall of America um i did mm-hmm. i did the world ski championships in Colorado okay what's that what's and that again
0: what, so, the, what's the so the
1: world ski championships are the, the the what the world ski championships
0: the world so- ski like downhill skiing
1: yeah, yeah. So it's it's the competition that they do in between the uh, the Winter Olympics. So it happens every four years as well. But it's it's two. It's basically they happen, and two years later, Winter Olympics happen, and two years later, they happen again. Got um you. and so, so it's the my...
0: Winter Olympics of cooking. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay, hold on, Tio, real quick. Let me tell you the story about skiing. I am terrible at skiing. Like, I thought, I, I'm, like, I'm a dancer, and I thought, like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'll be able to stand up and, like, go for it. Have I told you my skiing story before? No. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, here it goes. I go to, I'm in Utah, so I am at, wh- what's the big one in, in Utah? Oh,
1: Salt Lake City. The um... Yeah,
0: it's in Salt Lake. It's, like, right outside of Salt Lake. Uh, it's, like, the big you. one. Like they had Olympics or these things there. They like I saw cups and things with fire in them. They had the Olympics there. No, lo and behold, I go and I'm like, this is going to be so good. I'm going to be I'm going to be killing it on the slopes. I get like we rent all the stuff that we need. We get the blah 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 the blah 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 blah. blah. We go. I just should have known this was the side. It was hot. It wasn't even cold. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't need any of that stuff that we had got. It was hot, sunny, and we're ready to like, ready to ski. I'm like, okay, let's do this. So, you know, there's, like, the bunny slope, and then there's one right underneath it that's, like, just the trial one.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: kid you not, Drake. I did not, could not leave that's that preparation slope. <laughs> like, I never even got to the bunny slope. I couldn't do it. I, like, I didn't understand this pizza pie thing. I didn't understand, <laughs> like, I understood my feet needed to be in parallel. I just didn't know how to stop. So then I would just like sit down and that's just not what you're supposed to do. So then like, okay, let me like three hours later, like, like, let's just try something. So we get on the, we get on the freaking um, chairlift, which I'm definitely afraid of heights. So this was a terrible idea. Get on this chairlift. And I'm like, they're like, you have to go when you get off the chairlift, the chairlift. If not, the the next people are going to come kick you. I'm like freaking out. So I put my skis out and lo and behold, I just like ski like a swan. I'm like, oh, exiting the, the <laughs> exiting the the lift was fantastic. They were like, oh my God, you're doing gonna do great. And I get ready to go down the hill. Nope. I could not. Like it took me an hour and a half to go down the slope and I had to like sit on my butt and like stretch my legs out and then like inchworm down the hill because I was so bad. Like so bad my hips hurt so bad my knees hit so bad i like got down to the bottom after like five and a half hours of trying on this like preparation slope and i was like i'm done this is the worst thing the worst invention in the world but go ahead with the with the well, world ski festival
1: well now i don't feel bad talking about my my snowboarding story <laughs> oh my
0: gosh <laughs> i mean it's terrible i always tell everybody don't go skiing it's so bad
1: I wanted, I want to try skiing because. So okay. So no, don't do it. The World Ski Championships. Uh, my friend called me out. His name's Ben. He's um, amazing chef, and he was like, "Well, we're doing this championship thing, and we're going to be basically it was like two weeks, and they built all the kitchens and everything on the side of the mountain where the, where cool. they're skiing at. So um, we got to go out there. It was it was really awesome. Um, the entire Olympic team was there. I'm at Lindsay Vaughn. It was back when she was dating Tiger Woods. So it's like Mm -hmm. 2015. Um, And some of the the people from the team were teaching us how to ski and snowboard because we got free passes. We were in Vail, which is like one of the premier places in the world. Really expensive. And we got to go for free because we were working. Well, I was told by one of the instructors that you should snowboard because I was talking with my friends at the time. And I was like, um, me and my friend Ryan went. And I was saying I used to skateboard with my little brother all the time, and the oh. guy overheard us, and he said, "Oh yeah, you should just snowboard. It's just like skateboarding." Blah blah. He completely mm-hmm. lied. Mm-hmm. He lied. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. snowboarding, snowboarding, skateboarding the complete opposites. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you learn how to skateboard because you're not attached to the board, and you learn how to snowboard being attached to the board. So everything yeah. I would normally do, I can't do. And I'm already not a great skateboarder and now I was an even worse snowboarder. So I was on that magic carpet on that, that little below bunny slope you're talking about. And yeah, at least I, you didn't have the little kids laughing at you because they were no, learning how to the,
0: snowboard. The little kids it. were above me. They were like on the <laughs> bunny slope. I couldn't even make it. So they couldn't even see me. So there was no laughing <laughs> to be had. They were above me.
1: It was a little kid group at the magic carpet and I got in it. Like I just kind of got behind them when I was just like trying to learn. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. It was really fun, but I want to learn how to ski because I feel like it, I feel like skiing has to be easier snowboarding. So like before before the world ski championships and in between the Chateau Lund and that I took a break from cooking maybe like two years and I went back to Mm -hmm. school and got my finance degree and I didn't think I was gonna cook anymore because I just like lost I lost the passion for it. And it kind of rekindled when I did the World Ski Championships because it was like it was new and fresh and like we got to think outside the box and I think they kind of really jump started me again. So when I moved to Florida, I moved with my friend Brittany and I was working at this place, and it was like a barbecue place. And I started working at this Spanish tapas place called Santiago's, which TJ knows. And, yeah,
0: yeah, I love it. That's a good and Google that's what spot. I, st-
1: I started doing Orlando, and I worked there for a minute, and then they sent me to their second location, um, Santiago's, down to Key West, and I stayed in Key West mm-hmm. for almost three years, uh, working at that location, and then I kind of wanted to change. Because if you ever lived in Key West, it's amazing, but it kind of gets draining. So mm-hmm. I wanted to change, and I drove cross country to move to Denver officially with my friend Ben. And I worked at the Broncos Stadium, um, cooking and the skyboxes and some 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 for training camp and stuff for some of the players. And that's when I got the call for Hall in America and America's Sex Kitchen, which I never thought. Like, in a million years, I would even go back to cruise ships, much less um, working in cruise ships in that capacity.
0: Okay, so you're on, you go on to Hall in America as America's Test Kitchen host, is that correct? Yes. So what capacity, tell me about, this is the thing, okay, a lot of things are spouting off right now, but what I didn't know when I worked on Hall in America was what, actually America's Test Kitchen was. And I didn't, wasn't sure if a lot of people had heard about it. So tell me about America's Test Kitchen.
1: So uh, America's Test Kitchen is the number one instructional cooking television show on TV. They're on PBS mm-hmm. and BBC in some places. And a lot of people don't know about them if mm-hmm. you don't watch PBS uh, already mm-hmm. or if you um, don't get the magazine. So if you ever had Cooks Illustrated magazines and any um of the brand branches from there a lot of people know them so like my gr- my aunts and my grandmother and all those people knew about it but none of my friends like none of none of my friends knew what I was talking about. I was like yeah I'm about to go over for America's test kitchen they're just like oh that's new isn't it I was like no it's old like not old but I was like it's been around for a while. <laughs> So yeah. don't feel bad. Um,
0: no I had no idea but and the thing that threw me off was number one instructional. Like I didn't then I was thinking back to myself I was like mm, I'm not sure I know any other instructional cooking shows.
1: Oh yeah, that is um, that's the thing. that word instructional is very yeah. important because the the way that TV is set up, would you know like entertainment, you can just kind of separate yourself by one word and then you're totally something different. Um, mm-hmm. if they had to go up against freaking reality shows and stuff, they would not be number one in ratings, but in terms of instructional, they are number one. So
0: they are they number one. So what do you do as an as a onboard America's Test Kitchen host?
1: So on board, in America, I would teach full-on production shows for America's Test Kitchen. Forty-five minute cooking, live cooking instructional shows with a mm-hmm. 15, 10 to 15 minute Q&A at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have scripted, so we have to learn scripts. And that really, they scared me at first because mm-hmm. before this, I had never done, first of all, I, I worked in the kitchen. And also before that, I was doing computer science. So everything leading up to this point screams that I am a back Super
0: social, super social yeah. person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I'm, I like being social when I want to be social. I've never had to be social at my job. So I've I've never wanted to be like in front of the camera or anything. Um, I did find it a little bit of. So the weird thing is that I like public speaking though. Um, Mm -hmm. If I know what I'm talking about, I don't mind it, but only if they're strangers. I get really nervous if I know people in the audience. Um, So this helped me because everybody on ships, you know, are strangers to you at first. Yeah. But um, learning the scripts was a little bit of a challenge for me because I'm not good at just memorizing something just to memorize it. I need to put it to, um, I need to make it work. Like I need to work through it. So I felt I felt really out of place because I didn't know any, I didn't know anybody to, to talk to about it. So I contacted a lot of, of some of my friends who were singers and I was just like, so what do you do when you're trying to learn a new song? And like what, like this? And so that's how I learned my scripts. Um so I would kind of sing through them. <laughs> mm-hmm. No <laughs> in my head. Yeah. So I um so if you ever if anybody's ever walked um into a dressing room or like came back and you hear me playing music in the back, it's just because that's how I learned my scripts. Um but yeah, that's the only way I learned. How to-
0: you have to learn it any way you possibly can it's the same thing with the monologue, same thing, yeah, with learning songs, you just have to everybody's process is different, and that's the best part about it. You found one that worked for you
1: so it was um it was challenging at first. when I first started, we had seven scripts, so that was cool. By the end, we had twenty two and mm. it was crazy um, just a few just a few um but it was it was really really fun and it it gave me a, a glimpse into the entertainment side of cooking which I never yeah. knew about before
0: mm-hmm. so. what you speak of entertainment side of cooking when do you think entertainment chefs quote unquote um became popular
1: i feel when, like
0: it went and and how
1: I feel like even growing up like I said I didn't have anybody that I was looking to but I feel like People like Rachel Ray, who Mm -hmm. is not technically a chef, always Mm -hmm. had a show. And I think, like, stay-at-home moms and people Mm -hmm. always look to her to cook. But I don't think until people like Bobby Flay really Mm -hmm. was on TV a lot that people were just like, oh, well, he's cooking and he's actually a chef. Like, so then, like, in the food industry world, they also look to him. Because I mean, nothing like I love Rich Ray, but nothing against Rich Ray. But I know that like executive chefs weren't looking at Rich Ray's show to find new inspiration, you mm-hmm. know, versus looking at a Bobby Flay or Emerald just to be like, oh my God, what well, is Emerald? And he's known in the food world. Now he's mm-hmm. on TV. I can look towards him. And then they kind of feel that to us because even in culinary school, we were taught like, these certain people on TV are amazing chefs, and look at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that slow progressive until now, like you said earlier, it's pretty much you you can turn on Food Network, Cooking mm-hmm. Network. I mean, there's plenty of YouTube channels. Like, so it's become a phenomenon now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just I, I personally, I feel like it it definitely probably was not an overnight. Thing, but it felt like it to me. Like sure. I just looked up, and there was twenty-five chefs on TV, and I was like, "What, well, dang?"
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been in our lifetime that it's happened. And here's here's the thing that I think about when I talk, when I really, really think about chefs on TV. I was a young kid, and I loved watching cooking shows. It's strange. Do I love cooking? No, and here's why I don't love cooking because I have to do the dishes after and I just don't like doing it. I appreciate cooking and I appreciate um, people that can cook. And I love going to restaurants where, you know, they're really chef driven restaurants. Um, and I like cooking. I like cooking a lot. Um, but the people that I remember growing up, and again, it's still generationally speaking, this is probably 30 years ago. I used to watch Don't Laugh, You Better Not Laugh. I used to love watching Julia Childs. <laughs> <laughs> I, <do laughs> so like I knew that. you were going to laugh. <laughs> I loved her show. My mom was like, why are you watching this? And then I would love watching Emerald. Like, remember when like Bang was like the thing? Yes. Like he yes. And, like, that just never ended. And what's another word? Graham Kerr? Is that, is that something um, so familiar? Graham, yeah, Graham Kerr? Had a show. Yeah, I used to watch Graham Kerr. And then what else? Oh, you know, okay, so not really a chef, but I used to love those chef tool infomercials. Like, the, <laughs> like any infomercial, you know, like that you can cook something on, like George Foreman or something that you can like, that blends, it chops, it blends. Oh my gosh, I used to love all those things. Um, but... Well, I used to, I really used to watch...
1: Um, America's Test Kitchen. Sometimes, like when I was, thats thats how I knew about it was because I used to watch. It. But I used to watch it more because of the science part of it. Like the, I remember watching—I oh, don't even know how old I was, but I just remember watching the episode and they were trying to blow up a blender of something. I was just like, man, that seems like a job I want to have when I grow up.
0: <laughs> what did you yeah. realize? So you—you you were telling us that memorizing 22 scripts was hard for you. What else did you realize getting in the entertainment business that you didn't know or didn't even think about?
1: Um, I definitely feel like, like some of my closest friends now are in the entertainment business on um, mm-hmm. singers, dancers and everything behind the scenes. And But I definitely did not realize how hard it was on a day to day basis because when you're working in the kitchen, you're, you're standing up, you're working in the heat for 12 hours or 10 hours or whatever. And you know, the work is hard because you, it's just, it, it is what it is. You're doing the work. Or if you're working at a job, picking up boxes all day, like it is what it is, but being on and being the person that people talk to and ask questions and you're the face of this brand while you're on this ship. And then doing shows, but then also making sure that you're present at these places and being social because all of those things, since they're not kind of like, let me clock in for two hours of being social or let me clock in for this question, you don't think about it being work. And I just, I got a, a new appreciation for mm-hmm. the entertainment business out of all of it.
0: The America's Test Kitchen um, program is now gone off of in America. What are you doing now?
1: So now that the program is over, I'm back on land, and I I basically restarted my business. So about mm, 2016, right after I they did a, a cha- this World Ski Championships, um, I started doing side gigs for a couple people, and mm-hmm. um, and basically cooking and doing little small events. And I started my business back then, um, Chef Hollywood's Culinary Creations, where I just mm-hmm. am a personal chef and I go out and do things. And I kind of let it go when I was in Key West because I was working way too much. I didn't have time for it. But mm-hmm. now that I have the time and I got to build a little nest egg from America's Ted's Kitchen and mm-hmm. I have the knowledge more more knowledge than I ever thought I would have of food from around the world, I kind of just mm-hmm. restarted it and it's been great. Um, I also have incorporated in cooking classes because I did that for 11 for a while. so. I feel really comfortable doing cooking classes. And since I've opened, like, over eight restaurants, um, since I've been in the culinary field, I also do restaurant consultations, menu consultations. I don't think a lot of people realize that restaurants don't really go out of business because of bad food. Usually it's because of numbers, and it's because of not structuring your menu correctly to make Mm -hmm. you money. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I wasn't using my finance degree for a long time, and it kind of helps me a little bit when I work with numbers. So it gives me a little bit of like, yes, pandas. This, this student loan doesn't hurt so bad because I'm actually using this knowledge. So right, right. I um I've been doing that a, a lot lately too. So and now I'm thinking about getting into the more more back into the entertainment side. So maybe cooking show, cooking shows, or nice. podcasts, or maybe some mm-hmm. kind of entertainment that way.
0: Nice. So you're, you're consulting with a lot of different people. I'm sure you're, you're really familiar with eating out. Um, yes. what do you feel like is a really big food trend that's happening currently?
1: I think one of the biggest food trends right now is actually meal prepping. Um, and I, I was yes. in it for a minute. I did a couple January, February, I was on meal prep kits. So, um, which a lot of, a lot of companies do this now where you'll see online where you get the meal prep kits Mm sent to your house. Um, I think it's becoming really big because people are concerned with what they're putting in their bodies. And also it's a cost factor, you know, like a lot of the restaurants are, if you eat out every day at Mm -hmm. just a fast food restaurant and you think about how much you're spending at those fast food restaurants... You are really spending a lot more money than you would if you were to cook at home, of course, or even do a lot of meal prep plans. I think people are trying to just see what works best for their lifestyle.
0: Okay, Mr. Finance. So we all know that cooking, I mean, eating out is completely, I mean, it's like throwing money away. But Uh... you're... When you're talking about meal kits, are you talking about fully customizable, already pre-made for you, delivered to your house? Or are you talking about like um, a service that comes with like raw pro- raw products that you have to cook yourself?
1: Okay, so that's a good question. Um, well, first I will say, eating out is not throwing your money away. We should support our restaurants. Um... Okay, okay,
0: okay. <laughs> Everybody, stop the hate mail. I love all local restaurants. I just mean money-wise. Money money,
1: money-wise. Money-wise, if you look at it, your budget will appreciate if you don't eat out every day. Correct. Um. Okay, we're, just talking about,
0: we're just talking about money. So stop the hate mail. Right. Forget the tweets. But, I will... I...
1: <laughs> but on that side of, so there are two different levels to it. There's actually three different levels. But the mm-hmm. two you just asked me about, um, the raw, getting a meal prep kit that's raw. So mm-hmm. that is pretty much, as you think about it, that is pretty much someone grocery shopping for you and then giving glorified you the grocery recipe. shopping. recipe. Yes. yes. Um, mm-hmm. No disrespect to any of those people, please. Um, they're, they're great, but... No hate mail. No look, hate mail, everybody. Yes, no hate <laughs> mail. But if you're looking for a meal prep, that is glorified grocery shopping. Like, yeah. I'm basically saying, to make this chicken dish, you use chicken, blah, 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 blah. Here's a box of this. Here's the here's the recipe, then you make it. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way if you are trying to increase your cooking capabilities okay. or if you want to learn different techniques. It's a great yep. thing to do that. Now, meal prep kits that are not customizable um, or or they are customizable or not customizable are the middle ground, where a lot of companies will say for this price, you can pick three meals for the week or for a little bit more, you can... Really customize it to what you want. So Mm -hmm. those are important if you have dietary restrictions, especially because you will have to pay a little bit more to get certain things. But that's for you to get that food sent to your house or delivered to your house, fully cooked. You just warm it up. So Mm -hmm. imagine the old school um, TV dinner, TV dinners, especially exactly Mm -hmm. the old school TV dinners, but they actually have great flavor and. It has, actually has what you want inside. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but a lot of times it was like one out of three things in that TV dinner yeah. liked, so. It's
0: always like the peas. Why? Why did you yeah, put exactly. the peas and the carrots together? You gross. You
1: have to have peas and carrots again if you don't yeah. want
0: to. Do and like, now I look at TV dinners and I'm like, why is the salt intake more than three days value? Like, well, don't, it that, don't taste like that, nothing.
1: That, yeah, that goes into keeping that TV dinner frozen for so long and making sure that things stay where they are.
0: Would you like to um, put a salt lick on it for it to stay put? It?
1: <laughs> it's a lot of preservatives out there. Make sure you check it
0: out. A lot. Uh, that's it, one thing that's a good, <laughs> a, that's a good thing, preservatives. Yeah, oh preservatives. My good gosh. Okay, so what's step number three?
1: Oh, and the last one is in-home meal prep. So that is something that like personal chefs like me – Uh, One of my really good friends, Chef Lean, does in New York. um, It's for you to hire someone to come in to your home and cook you um, chef meals for the entire week. So they would come in. Not only grocery shop for you. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa! Is this really an option?
1: Yeah, I offer this on my website. I know a lot of personal chefs offer it on their websites. Um,
0: So you come to my house on Sunday and you cook all of my food for the entire week. And then I say, sayonara, see you next Sunday.
1: Pretty much.
0: Okay, Drake, give me a ballpark figure. What is this going to cost to
1: me? I would say that, and this is, and since it is a personalized chef option, I ballpark ballpark that you're gonna you're gonna start at three hundred a week
0: for how many meals for about
1: maybe five
0: days five days, two meals, lunch dinner or just dinner
1: usually lunch and dinner
0: lunch and dinner for five days, so Monday through Friday
1: yeah. yes,
0: um, three hundred dollars
1: oh three hundred I would say and I say minimum three hundred dollars I say that because it's hard to ballpark it because of the simple fact that. No meal is the same. So, of course, if you, TJ, wants yep. a vegetarian-style vegan. menu, vegan-style menu, Thank and you. we're doing a certain thing, and I might say that, okay, so after looking at your menu and we're doing everything, yours is going to be four twenty five this week, but your neighbor wants lobster and filet mignon and rack of lamb, she's not going to be paying $400. Mm-hmm. So... I know that a lot of times, especially for personal chef and um, any of these services, it sounds scary. But you have to think about it the same way you think about restaurants. You can go to McDonald's and get a hamburger. You also can go to your Fogo de Chao and get a hamburger, but it's going to cost you a little bit more. At sure, mm-hmm. so that's really what you're what you're looking at. But yeah, I mean, in the lower ballpark, start. At three hundred dollars, like be expecting to spend that, but you also have to realize what you're getting with it. So you're getting someone to a grocery shop for you, mm-hmm. cooking your with your with your um Tupperware or whatever you want to keep your food in, mm-hmm. you put it in your refrigerator. Everything is there for you when you get home. You can take it to work. It's the ease of having that done for you. And you don't have to be rich to do it. But if you think about what you spent that five days on eating out, you probably would spend the same amount, maybe less, Completely. depending on.
0: Um so you're what, what else are you loving about entertainment and being a chef in this entertainment industry?
1: Um I really just like the ability to network, man. I just I'm a mm. people person and I I've always been a everyone can win type of person as well. And so just being able to collaborate with so many different chefs and now I do a chef's blog. I do once a month like a chef spotlight where I highlight a different chef and Different parts of the industry, and um, I think that it just really it's opened my it's opened my eyes, also like opened me up to different people I probably would never met. And for me, I'm always trying to learn different techniques, different flavor profiles. Like, what, how are you putting this together? And so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: being on the entertainment side, it definitely I think doing entertainment helped me with my social skills, which then helps me network now throughout. So, yeah,
0: I definitely I, I love that part of it. Do you think entertainments push you to be make bolder choices in your cooking? I do. I um
1: I feel like I've always made bold choices in life, but I think in cooking I always have kind of kept it safe. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it I think it definitely kind of pushed me out of my boundaries. I, I pushed me a little bit, which is great. Um, because I it opened up the world to kind of just. And traveling too i I gotta like traveling really open my eyes mm-hmm, because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I pretty much try to put in my food um how I'm feeling about what I've seen or what I've gone through, and I feel like food brings us together, just like mm-hmm. music, just like pretty much the entire entertainment industry like brings people together no matter where you're from who you are like it it's the industry that kind of brings us together, and with my food, I just try to like instill that in there if it makes sense so it's like i grew up in the south but i never really liked a lot of the traditional southern food but i've always been fascinated by asian flavors mm. and learning more about asian flavors and um really going deep into the caribbean and just knowing about the history of how these flavors became this because of slaves and from mm-hmm. people from over Asia, populated here in Spanish, and then just bringing it back to the South and making things that now I love, it's kind of like bringing everything together. So I kind of, I like doing that. Fusion, cool. which is, it kind of was, Fusion was a big thing back in the 90s, I remember in food. And oh then it kind God, of went yeah. away because people people didn't want to say it anymore. Yeah. And now it's slowly coming back, but we're just not saying the word.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love love fusion. I love fusion foods. Uh, Every restaurant I love going to. I mean, I just recently went to Vegas and I had this Mexican-Chinese fusion restaurant. It was incredible. Like completely different opposites, like sides of the world, but I loved loved every second of it what they were having to offer. So leading to my last set of questions for you, I'll let you know it's been one year since my nephew had been on board. Um, (laughs) The the a new stop and done with us because he came in at the end of the year the, for yeah. that um so right before the holidays and you gave him a whole set of america's test kitchen i will let you know that sat on the shelf for a few months and then oh. i came home and he he was like let's make i said let's make lunch let's have something he this uh, this child is Crazy creative. He just goes and runs and get this book. They put it in like little sheets and stuff. He's like, let's cook something out of here. So we're like flipping through and flipping through and flipping through. And we find this. It's pretty simple, but he's like f- six. He wanted to make this uh, like pasta with garlic, olive oil, like a, a super simple pasta dish. So he made it and he loved it. And this is his one year anniversary making this like garlic pasta dish. Oh. So he made it again this year. <laughs> but speaking about making things for other people, what would you say is the, your top five favorite things to make for other people? Like you're saying you do this in-home cooking, personal chef sort of stuff. Uh,
1: um, oh, I think one of my favorite things to make for other people, um, one is mussels. Ooh. I love mussels. And I think that it's like a perfect, Kind of start to a meal if you're not allergic to shellfish. And the great thing about mussels is that they're super simple, but I love that you can kind of make it whatever you want. So you can do a coconut curry mussel. You can do white wine. And it, it just kind of, it can take on so many
0: different forms. So I really love making mussels. <laughs> so mussels, number one, what's another one?
1: Um, I also really like to cook soups. Um, which is funny because I don't necessarily love Ugh,
0: soups to me eat, either. but
1: I like cooking soup because soup is like, soup is just full of love. First of all, um, it's a, it's the best way, especially when you're cooking for other people to teach them or talk about building flavors in something mm-hmm. because you have to start from the ground up. It, it, it's the only way your soup tastes like something is if you start really building those flavors. So I think soup is like a really really great thing because it's also very sexy to cook if you're doing a date night it doesn't sound sexy but when you start making it together it's a good date night
0: Uh, Um, oh gosh soup (laughs) okay next
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think next um would have to be um, a southern staple which i don't like a lot of southern food but southern fried chicken yum it's one of my Mm. favorite things to cook um I don't. I wish I had like a. I wish I had like a, Oh, my grandma used to make it this way. I actually just pulled it from a couple different um, mentors that I know, and I do a buttermilk batter fried chicken, and I do mm-hmm. a sweet tea reduction sauce on top, and I really like making that for people. Um, I think it's like low key to prove that I'm southern. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think also, I'm definitely not a pastry chef by no means necessary, but I really like making um red velvet cake
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like one of my my staples that i make as a as a um trying to be pastry chef chef over here um so i do cream cheese frosting i candy my own pecans and put them on top or pecans depending on where you're from and i make that and i also do a different color so right now i'm really into making my blue velvet
0: yeah um
1: cake so i like that kind of can but take it's-
0: on It's the vinegar in it, right? That makes it, that makes it the cake, because it's just chocolate cake, correct?
1: No, well, okay. So here's the thing about break it down, which is going to be very controversial on this podcast. But so red velvet cake is not technically a chocolate cake, and I say that because the majority of us who make red velvet cake, the amount of cocoa powder I put in that cake is less than the amount that I put in some other dishes. So the food coloring makes it the color that it wants, yeah. that you want to be, and then the vinegar inside stabilizes the food color mm-hmm. and keeps it from being a, a secondary taste for you. So if you don't add vinegar to it, then your food color isn't as vibrant, and also mm-hmm. you have this aftertaste. So the vinegar is just really to help that out, also help with the leavening process because you mm-hmm. add in baking powder. but. Mm-hmm. To me i don't call it a chocolate cake because I don't know what recipe people are using. If you use my recipe, it's pretty much like less than a tablespoon of cocoa powder so Shut I wouldn't up. classify Not mine less as than a, a tablespoon cake. yeah I wouldn't classify mine as a chocolate cake now what taste are you putting in there though so what, what flavor because you have this buttermilk and because you oh. have the the cocoa powder the amount that you do have and because all these other things kind of mix and match together it gives you that that feeling of it being like oh this is a luscious like I can see how you get that mouthfeel of this is a luscious chocolate cake but mine's definitely not so (laughs) it's an illusion it's an illusion but I say that because I don't know everybody's recipe, so maybe you guys out there put more chocolate in than I do. But I don't classify mine as chocolate cake,
0: right? And I feel like some people just put chocolate, make a chocolate cake like Betty Crocker. Nothing against Betty Crocker, Betty Crocker, and then she put some red food coloring in it. But that's definitely not red velvet cake. That's, that's definitely not right. Red no, chocolate cake.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't that doesn't sound too good.
0: But well, I mean, nothing is wrong with chocolate cake. Come on now, like a good. Chocolate I'm not a
1: big. You know, I'm not a big chocolate person,
0: so. Well, I mean, yeah, I,
1: I am, but I'm not into.
0: It. <laughs> <laughs> I like a good vanilla cake with chocolate frosting on it. I mean, the cheaper the better. Like I'm talking right. like seventy cents for the whole thing.
1: <laughs> My favorite <laughs> cake is pineapple upside down.
0: Okay, well now we're not talking about favorites. I love a good German chocolate cake with that. I toast do like Coke German
1: chocolate a little bit. I do like, but it's the worst to make. It's so time. No no, so no, 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 no,
0: no it's so easy you just go to the store and you get the box (laughs) i mean and then you get that little tub of frosting that's like
1: seven pounds
0: of sugar like boiled down into that into that little tub oh it's so good so good (laughs) so good um and funfetti Let's don't even get me started on funfetti okay so red velvet check what's the last one Um, I would, oh man, this is hard. The last one I would say to make
1: for people, I would have to say carbonara. Um, two of my favorite dishes in the world, like these two are honestly carbonara and paella. I don't, I don't say making paella for people because I I like making paella, but I kind of don't like sharing. Um, but carbonara is one of my favorite dishes in the world. It's a pasta dish with a uh, white sauce, um, a little bit of English peas. Some, if you have bacon, then you can use bacon. If not, then you want to use some prosciutto. Uh it's just, it's just like it's it's love on a plate. And if you like pasta, to me is the best pasta dish out there ever. Um, the egg yolk. So yeah. So making it for somebody is kind of like putting love on a plate. I like making it for people.
0: Nice. Okay. Perfect. One last question before I let you go, Drake. It's been amazing having you on. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. You're going to start a podcast, aren't you?
1: Yes, I am going to start one.
0: Drum roll, please. What's the name?
1: I'm starting a podcast called
0: Cooking Your Way Through Life. Nice. What is it going to be about?
1: So I kind of want to talk about all different topics um, that Mm -hmm. in my life, but bringing it back to cooking. So Mm -hmm. everything from personal finance to um, friendships and relationships and how we can kind of tie everything back into cooking. And if you're not into cooking, then you can listen for the other parts and then understand how to cook while you're listening. So it's a two for one.
0: Yeah, of course. sounds like it sounds like a really, really good thing that you're super passionate about too and you have your website and you have your, your your business you're doing monthly chef what do you call
1: them chef shout outs all of my chef spotlights
0: chef spotlight. on I know. Chefs. I just <laughs> was looking at the one that you put out this month um it popped up in my news feed for some reason a couple times um so I was just looking at them over and over again so you're doing quite a lot and you're still in Atlanta
1: yeah I'm still in the Atlanta area um as of now And probably throughout the year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But my last question, Drake, before I let you go, is what is the obsession with bacon? (laughs) Why are people obsessed with bacon?
1: Bacon is just, I feel like bacon is the little black dress of the food industry. It's never going away. People Mm -hmm. might try to change it. It might go out of style for a week, but it'll always be there. Because no matter what, um, bacon, it just makes, it makes things great, first of all. Why? But I will—I really, don't know, it's just this, it's just something about bacon that it has its own kind of flavor. It it increases the flavor of other things. I personally like to cook with bacon fat sometimes, mm-hmm. but I also like cooking with duck fat. Um, mm-hmm. And adding that flavor of that to other things, like even if I don't put bacon into it, I just like to give it that that kind of smoky kind of flavor. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I also feel like bacon is a cop out sometimes. If yep. you don't have something that's so great, you might think, "Oh, I'll put bacon on this, and it'll be good." So I don't advise that. It does not fix everything.
0: But yeah, it's like cheese. People for a while was like cheese. They just put cheese on everything. Yeah yeah and those two
1: go hand in hand you'll see cheese and bacon on a lot of. oh my god
0: like all (laughs) all over the place cheese and bacon i'm like what's the obsession with bacon and actually since i stopped eating red meat um uh or stopped eating meat that's the thing that i noticed the most it's like gosh there's bacon in just about everything. everything what's the obsession um well yes more hate mail for the bacon i'm sorry people i just <laughs> i love bacon I just, for everybody <laughs> so send all the hate mail to drake thanks for yeah. <laughs> thanks for being on um i appreciate so it so much and i can't wait to see where you what happens next for you uh, me too i can't wait to see see it either <laughs> yay thanks so much drake thank you thanks for joining in on the conversation To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.